Well, blessings to all of you. Uh, we're in the middle of this uh, series that's designed to lead us into Easter and through Easter. We've been talking about transitioning and this whole idea of transformation and life. And, uh, you know, I do want to remind everybody, you saw the little insert. I know we, we talk about it a lot because it's a big deal. We have Easter a couple weeks away, Easter weekend. We have created a unique um, artistic way of representing the story of the cross and of Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's going to be happening here at the Mission Campus. It's called Come and See. We want everybody to come and see. It's a great thing to be able to bring people to, invite people to. Some of you may have noticed that it's, um, it's going to be happening on Friday, twice on Saturday, and three times on Sunday. Note those time changes. We also have a Good Friday service as well. That's more of a reflective prayer service. And then, of course, on Easter Sunday on the other campus, uh, the Lake Merced campus on the other side of the city by San Francisco State. I'm actually going to be sharing a message over there for a couple of services there as well. So it's designed for everybody to be able to mix and match. But we wanted you to just be thinking about it, praying about it, be aware of it. Um, I want to pray, ask God to bless our time together. And Lord, I just, I'm so grateful. I want to thank you for uh, the uh, wonderful opportunity we have to be able to be here on this good day. You are the giver of life. And so much of what we celebrate has to do with the way that you can not only give us your life if we're willing, but you also keep working with us in our lives. And ultimately, you can transform our life. You literally did that by dying and rising again. And I pray that you would awaken things in, in us. I also ask that if there are things that you might want to say specifically to each of us, that we would have as much as possible openness and receptivity. And I just ask for that blessing to reside over all of what we're about to do. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen, God. Amen. So, you know, um, I want to begin by having us continue this journey we've been making with Jesus. He, you know, I'm just going to have a start by reading verse 51 from Luke 9. This is an underestimated, often underappreciated, but actually powerfully courageous verse. The, the ninth chapter of Luke, verse 51. As the time drew near from him, for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now, again, on the surface, it just looks like a reference that's being made to Jesus going to Jerusalem. The fact is, we had talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus had just been on the Mount of Glory, the, the transfiguration moment. He understood that this next mo movement to Jerusalem would be the last movement he would make on this earth as the son in his humanity before it was broken and changed in his resurrection. He understood everything that it meant. It, it, the older version says that he steadfastly set his face towards Jerusalem. And that is huge because for him, it represented his passion. It represented his utter humiliation. It represented the way of the cross. It represented insult and injury and rejection. It would be in Jerusalem where he would suffer, severely suffer. His body would be broken. He would be taunted and spit upon his his body literally broken in pieces at the hands of his enemies and abandoned, abandoned by not only his father as he bears the sins of the world. My, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me will be one of the seven sayings that are recorded from his mouth. But also by all those people, especially the men that he had trained, invested into, his team, his loyal team, he knew that they would ultimately leave him as well. He would be finally, utterly alone. That's what Jerusalem represented. 
So when it says that he steadfastly or resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem, that's extraordinarily courageous. There's an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. He was always talking about the coming Messiah. One of the passages that I put in your handout that is worth looking at reminds us of the degree of Jesus' commitment. Hundreds of years before Jesus died and gave his life for us, this was written. Look what it says, Isaiah 50, verse 5. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. No, I didn't, I didn't close myself to the path that he wanted me to pursue. I didn't turn my ear from his word. He says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face. I love this phrase. I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. There are times where God will ask us to set our face towards something. In my mind, uh, this, this was an example Jesus' willingness to go to Jerusalem is an example of his astonishing love and commitment. And um, it's also a reminder of his commitment, not just to us, but to his father as the son. Now, we're told something else happens. So, and I want to I look at it as well. It says here, look at it, it says that as the time drew near for him to send to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village. Remember now, Jesus had taught his disciples, in the kingdom, greatness is different in my kingdom. It's not about who gets to have the highest position. It's about who gets to serve and give their life away to be the blessing for others. It's a, it's a little different model of greatness. Remember, he talked about the child. We talked about that last week. But not only did Jesus say it, he went out and did it. And that's, that's the ultimate model. But it says that they were leaving for, uh, to Jerusalem. They were, they were in the north, okay? And uh, I'm gonna, I asked what they could put up a, a map. This is just a really... Um, quick way to kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. They were going to move to the south. See where Jerusalem is. You can see the three areas, the three regions. The, the, the blue in the top, that's the Galilee. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is there. In the middle, well, the bottom, you can see where Judea is. That's Jerusalem, still there. In the middle at Jesus' day, there was a region called Samaria. And Samaria was an interesting place because when Jesus, we're told here, sent messengers ahead to, to a Samaritan village, what we know is that he, what he was doing was something that was somewhat unconventional for Jewish people at that time. Because there was such, and the only way I can describe it, there was ethnic religious tension between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Samaritans in the middle between Judea and Ga the Galilee um, did not have great dealings with the Jewish people. They, they had a high, they were partially Jewish. They had a hybrid kind of religion that had developed. It had elements of the Jewish faith in it, but they didn't believe Jerusalem was where God was supposed to be worshipped. And so there was this tension, this prejudice that went in both directions. I think we understand that, that, that sometimes one of, the, one of the things that is most sad is, is how easy it is for people to be separated over things that honestly they, they shouldn't be separated around. We're all human beings in need of a savior. And here's the thing. Jesus was if he had done what most of his Jewish countrymen would have done at that time, he would have avoided Samaria. Because what they did, see where Sea of Galilee is and see where the Dead Sea is? There's a river that goes down there. That's called the Jordan River. Oftentimes what would happen is if someone was traveling from the Galilee to Jerusalem, they would go down 
they would cut over to cut across the Jordan so they didn't have to go through Samaria. They would come down, and then they would cut back over into Judea, and vice versa when they were traveling north. They would cut across the Jordan to evade having any exchange interaction with the Samaritans. That's why, I remember, when Jesus has this interaction with the woman we call the woman at the well, and she's a Samaritan woman, she says, what are you doing talking to me? You know Jews and Samaritans. We don't talk to each other. She was very aware of the tension. But Jesus made a decision to go through. I don't think his disciples were that enthused about it. He made a decision. He was going to take the more direct route because he didn't care about that stuff. So he was going to go through. He decided, I'm not crossing over. I'm going right through Samaria. So he sends messengers ahead to sort of prepare a way. Now, here's the thing. Those messengers, when they were sent ahead to make arrangements for the group that was coming, once the, the Samaritan village found out that Jesus was intending to go to Jerusalem, was actually just stopping through on the way, that he was someone who did not necessarily agree with their, their ways, they basically said, you're not welcome here. Again, it goes both ways. And he, we don't want you here. There's no room for you. Go somewhere else. Now, that provokes a, an incredible response on the part of John. Remember we talked about how John will ultimately become the apostle known for his love. But watch the response and the reaction. It's almost hard to believe what they want to do. It says that he sent messengers ahead. This is verse 52, to Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When they recognized that, they said, hey, you're not welcome here. Go somewhere else. And when, verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, and this is incredible, Lord, and they were utterly sincere. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Just as Elijah did. Now, first off, it's an incredible amount of faith there, I believe. But See, they're hearkening back to a moment where Elijah has this confrontation with a Samaritan king. And they believe Jesus has power. And they believe that Jesus has just been insulted. And as a result of that insult, they, they were on his behalf feeling like something needed to be done. And in their mind, what needed to be done was they needed to be taught a lesson. We'll cold down fire. We'll use your power to destroy the village. And that's incredible. It's like, what kind of a reaction is that? That's exactly what Jesus says. Jesus turns to, turns to them. Look what it says. He turned and he rebuked them. And what he says, you can see it. He says, what manner of spirit are you? What is, I saw it, what is wrong with you? The very thing that he was going to do was to give, he literally will say it. The son of man has come to save lives, not destroy it. After three years with me, this is what you're thinking? Come on. You are so out of harmony with everything that is pushing me into this moment. I am going somewhere for a reason to give my life away. And now because of some offense, you want to have me use my power, whatever it is, to destroy people? What is wrong with you? You are so far off of what I'm actually doing and I'm about. I can't believe you would say that. That's the intensity of the moment. He rebukes them. Do you have any idea? Look, for the Son of Man, I did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. How can, this, the moment, you know how hard, to go to Jerusalem was Jesus' march to give his life away. And now, as he's making his way, his loyal disciples 
offended on his behalf, want to call down fire from heaven. And he just says, you're just so far off the mark. No, that's not what we're doing. All we're going to do, and you can see the last little phrase there, we're just going to go to a different village. That's all we're going to do. Let's just go somewhere else. It's, a great, it's so simple, so beautiful. Now, that's the piece. I want to wrestle with it. I want us to interact with it. I want to get into it a bit. I want to put something up. We'd like us to consider it. Well, oh, by the way, I think most of us can relate to what we're about to put up. Along the way in this life, conflict with people is inevitable. We will have, some of us, we will start on Monday. We're going to be, we already know it. We're going back into a place where there's already conflict. Conflict, people, people, because we're all broken, it's amazing how easy it is for, for us to have strife, to have conflict, to get angry, to be offended. Um, some of us, you know, it may be at work. Some of us, it may be our family. Some of us, it may be with some of our friendship. We see a friendship eroding. We're angry with one another right now. Um, some of us, it might have to do with, with uh, even people at church. It can happen, absolutely, because this is a place for broken people in process, like all of us. In fact, it's possible that some of us have already had conflict this day. We may have even had conflict traveling here. We came in with conflict. And, we're, and, and the thing about it is, is it's because that's part of life. And it, we know times when it's with people, most of the real difficult issues in life are around relationships. Not all. Sometimes I would say some things internally can be very, very difficult as well when we're our own worst enemy. But otherwise, it's a lot of our most difficult things that have to do with people. And what I noticed about Jesus here is that he actually did, you know, think about it. He was reaching across the social line. They said, you know, Jews and Samaritans don't get along. Jesus said, I don't care about that. And he walked right into Samaria. And then he goes there and he's rejected. He allows himself to be rejected. And I, you know, one of the hardest things to do, and this may have happened to some of us, is when we're making an effort, we may say, I'm going to make the extra effort. I don't even think I'm really wrong here. But I'm going to go ahead and make the extra effort to try to clean things up. And when we do it, and we go, surely the other person will go, you know, I really appreciate that. <laughs> but a lot of times what happens is we get something back that is like, yeah, and don't do it again, right? <laughs> and we're going, but I was just saying it was my fault. I didn't mean it was my fault. Right? And we have these conflicts and part of life, and it's hard to endure an insult, especially when we think we're going the extra mile. And I mean, James and John, I mean, they're, they're, they really are, they really are, in their mind, offended to the extent that they, 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 they want to, like, become violent. They're so angry. Now, some of us, when we get angry, we want to retaliate. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. I'm, I watch this all the time. You can see this all the time with just driving around. You can see it. Someone gets mad. People are, people are crazy out there. <laughs> I saw this guy trying to make an illegal left-hand turn, and then the people who had the right of way weren't letting him go, and then he starts flipping everybody off who's, while he's the one doing the illegal, illegal thing. And I'm going, what? What? And this, that's the kind of thing that escalates conflict. 
And this happens all the time. And I think a lot of times, you know, we, sometimes we get angry and we, we, we want to retaliate. Other times, some of us, our method is not like James and John. We don't, we're not like, you hurt me, I hurt you back. We're more of a, you hurt me and I stuff that downside inside. But I'm going to let it simmer. And I'm not forgetting this. <laughs> there will be a reckoning. <laughs> it's just on my terms, that's all. And I think a lot of times some of us don't even know how to deal with our anger. Some of us are more passive by nature. Someone rejects us like they rejected Jesus. We, we, we take that personally. James and John took it personally. It's just they were, they were just right out there. They were passionate. Jesus really teaches us a different way, and here it is. I'll just put this up. Is that when we're offended, our goal really should be to remain at peace as much as possible, to not retaliate or escalate. But that is very hard to do. Um, you know, I do kind of understand James and John. I mean, I, I, when you feel like you're being rejected, it, 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 part of you wants to lash back. It's, you feel like you're, you're being poorly treated, shabbily treated, and then it's on behalf of someone you love. That also brings out an interesting thing. Because in a way, James and John were going, it's not just us. It's what they're doing to you. Do they do what they're doing? You don't reject Jesus. Let's teach them the lesson. And that's when the Lord says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Come on. And there are times when the Lord wants to get us to pause. You know, I, had, I was talking to someone last night who was listening to the message and they had just, I, and this is amazing how it happens, but they had just had a conversation right before service with someone that they were in oversight of and they, they were just, they were angry. And they talked about that, they shared that with me. And afterwards he said, you know, I, I, after I heard and looked at the passage, I started feeling like maybe I didn't handle this right. Maybe I lacked compassion a little bit in the way in which I dealt with this person. Now, there are times where the Lord is going to challenge us not to escalate things. Instead, what does he do? What did Jesus do? He said, stop it. Stop it. You're out of control, number one. Your spirit is very, he's so far opposite of what, who I am. Stop it right now. Secondly, you know what? We're just going to go to, look, we're going to have a third alternative. We're going to go somewhere else. It's no big deal. Calm down. I was... Two weeks ago, Saturday night. Well, it wasn't even a night. We were coming for the evening service, so I usually will get here around 3. I, I, the band's usually practicing, and there's, 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 anyway, I'm walking, Dearborn Street is, is over here, 17th over there. I parked somewhere, found a spot, took a while, found one. And I'm walking to, to the church. I'm heading to the side gate, um, fairly happy uh, with my day. Um, <laughs> Walking along, and I can see a guy who's turning the corner, turning the corner in the alley, and he doesn't. He kind of looks upset, and so he's walking towards me, and I'm walking that from the down block. But I can kind of see. I can kind of see. Well, he's heading my way. He doesn't look good. He's like he has an attitude, right? And all of a sudden, you know, I'm walking again. I'm, I'm just going. To, I'm getting ready to go to church. And he, he walks up and he goes, he's this, he goes, you bleeping techie. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> That's what he says. I was like, like six steps from the door. Fourth off, I want to go, just because I'm wearing glasses doesn't make me a techie, man. <laughs> Come on. Also, I have been in the city since I was born. That's what I wanted to say, all right? <laughs> so, so to illustrate the point, so here's this guy, mate. I'm not joking. He's like, this is what he says to me. It's like this. I'm going, I, what do I have to do with you? I, do, I, do, I, don't, even, I don't even know you. I'm, I have no problem with you. Why are you upset with me? I'm, and so I, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to like turn around and run away. So I walked up to him, you know, I'm not, not like, I mean, I wasn't trying to like be aggressive, but I wasn't being passive either. I walked to, and then he, he just stops. And so I had a, I, it's so funny because I had been thinking about this message. <laughs> so I get there and I go, and then I walk past him. He turns around and he goes, that's right, man. <laughs> that's right. You better walk around me, man. <laughs> I go, oh, fire from heaven, come down. Consume that. I mean, I was so mad. It's like, one, I didn't even, what am I, what's my problem? I have no problem with you. <laughs> and I walk around and I, yeah, you better walk around. But that's the third alternative, right? That's the third alternative. It's like, go to another village. It's fine, whatever, whatever, fine. I'll, right, I'm, I'm the techie, whatever. Okay, fine. The point being is there are these moments, I'm, I'm trying to make, there are these moments where <sighs> I get drawn into that stuff. Forget it. This is, if at all possible, if at all possible, possible, let's just move aside. Fine. Okay. Whatever. I'll go to another village. Okay. You win. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I wish I could say, oh, it's, all right. Three, here it is. Question. What would faithfulness look like in our context, in our life context? What am I talking about? Jesus is what I'm talking about. We talk about the commitment of his love, his willingness to push beyond his own desire, his commitment to be a, how about this? Jesus will not take offense at the insult. He won't take the bait. They insulted you, Lord. We'll just go somewhere else. But Lord, we gotta make them pay. They can't do that to you. You're Messiah. You're the power. <laughs> we're, just gonna go, we're gonna go over there. It's not a big deal. His commitment, his willingness to become the offense rather than take the offense. Wow. I can't. What does that mean for us? How does it inspire us to face things? How about this? Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem knowing what it's gonna cost him. Are there things that God is asking us to make our way towards? What is our Jerusalem? I suspect we have one. What is that place? It's the place where something in us is going to be challenged and something in us may even die, but something else will live. 
And there are things that God sometimes is trying to call us into, but it's going to require a tremendous amount of courage and tenacity to, to walk into that. The easier thing is to run away. No, I'm not going. I'm not going. In fact, Jesus will say when he's there, Father, if it is possible, if it's possible, take this cup. There's a different way to achieve this goal. Please, take the cup from me. Let someone else, I, I mean, if it's possible, but nonetheless, your will be done. I will do it. I will to do it. And that whole principle of there are moments where God's calling us into these, maybe it's a season. I hope I can say it right. There are these times where the Lord is calling us to face things. There are times where God is calling us to be courageous in our struggle and not quit and not take the easy play and not just say, well, I'm out of here. You know, he's calling us to take the walk into Jerusalem, but it's not always easy. It's going to sometimes even be scary. But the fact is, it's there where the life comes. That's where the life is. Now, again, there are these moments. Now, I'll, I'll end it with this piece because it means a lot to me. And that is this, that, that transformation, because that's what we're talking about, right? The transformation he's calling us towards. That's what we've been discussing. That transformation is going to be about th- three things in my mind. Loss, vulnerability, and new beginning. <sighs> Just like John's being transformed from a, a guy with passion, who Jesus loves, by the way. Jesus loved John. He loved John. He loved his personality, his zeal, his sensitivity. Um, But that stuff, when it was not harnessed properly, could become very reckless and dark. And so Jesus, over time, is going to modify this man, just like he does with you and me. He will take sometimes things that, on their own, they're good, but they, they also can become reckless. And if the Lord has his way in our life, he will shape that into a place where it becomes really an exquisite testimony to his grace. It's kind of what God does, but that takes, that's a transformation process, just like he will transform life in his death, and then he will work his transformation life in us. Maybe an analogy that could be helpful. I, was, I had heard about this. I was reading about it. Someone mentioned it, and I thought, wow, what a, what a picture of transformation. Okay, some people know lobsters, okay, Besides being something that some people enjoy eating a lot of, um, with butter and when they're cooked properly. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Lobsters are interesting creatures because um, they have this thing called an exoskeleton. And they get to a point where they, uh, they can't grow with the skeleton. They actually have to molt it off. So what happens is they get to a certain point, their body, they want to keep growing, but they've got this shell but the shell won't fit them anymore. So what happens is they have to actually start trying to get that shell off, and they have this thing, they do some things, and over time what happens is they are able to get the shell, it gets off off of them, because that shell cannot contain them. If they're going to grow, they have to have a new shell. And and when they're young, and the more, it's interesting because that's a lot like transitions in life, and most of the time in the life of a lobster, they, they go through this a number of times when they're young, but they also go through it at times as they grow older. And so those, it's a reminder, it's just similar to you and me, but here's the thing, what I, what I found fascinating in relation to transformation. They get that shell off, but their new one isn't there yet. It's not like all of a sudden it goes off and then bang, they got a new one. There's this place where they have no shell. They're vulnerable, way more vulnerable. 
And they have to be very careful because in that vulnerable place, in between where they were and where they're going, is this place where they're actually more vulnerable. That's like transitions even in our life with God. Certainly how there are these moments where the Lord is saying, just, I've, he'll say, that skeleton, that, that skin, that shell, that got you here, but it can't, it can't get you here. This, you can only grow up to this. You're going to have to let this go to get this new state of growth. But to get that, you're going to have to get this thing off, and then there's going to be this really vulnerable place. And in that place of vulnerability, man, we're wrestling with things. We're, it's hard. I mean, the safer thing is just, I'm going to stay contained with what I know. What I know, this is what I know. This is safe. It's painful to have that thing off of me. And then to be vulnerable, no, I don't want to do that. But you can't grow without that. There's no other way. There's this place, and I think that's exactly what the Lord does with us. He's saying, look, you, you, I, my will for you, my desire for you is to have an, a transition in your life, an expansion in your life with me. I want to take you and to grow you, but this can't, this, this shell, this cannot be anymore. It can't contain what I want to do in you. But Lord, if I do that, that, that means then I'm going to put myself, I'm going to, that's like, that scares me. What does that mean? How do I do it? I don't have enough strength. It makes me more vulnerable than ever. You mean I got to actually be, and I'll, use, I'll take it one step further. You mean I actually have to be vulnerable in ways that I haven't wanted to be before? I have to wrestle with stuff that I didn't want to be. I have to, I, yes, 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 yes. It's okay. I'm with you. We get, we're going to do this. We're going to grow. But Lord, this is what I've known. I know, but this is what we're going. You see what I'm saying? And to get there, we're going to have to be in this really difficult spot of vulnerability. Out of that, the Lord does things, amazing things. And I, I just pray that he would keep working in our lives. In the vulnerable place, there will always be the grace. But I'm scared. I don't want to do this. I know. Have you ever heard the Lord say, I know but I want you to, and I will walk with you. And out of that comes this, the resurrection of life in you, in new ways. And all oh, the people that will be touched by the new things I can do. Do not underestimate what I can do. Some of us are in that place right now. We're in a place of transition. And I think throughout life, certainly with God, you go through these places where you get a new shell. You know what, someday, listen, Someday, some of us will, in this life, release our shell for the last time. And it'll be something completely new. So I don't know how many times God calls us to these transitions. Some of us may be there right now. I think, interestingly enough, it may be a lot of them when we're younger, but we still have them as we get older. And as we get older, there'll be a day, someday, where the Lord will say, okay, for the final time, the transition. That is a promise anchored in him. In the meantime, we get the life of adventure with Jesus and a whole lot of things to learn and grow into. Let's pray. 
So, Lord, I want to ask for your blessing just over what we shared. There might be places where we feel connecting that something you're saying to us, perhaps for some of us it has to do with making our way into a Jerusalem place that, that's kind of scary. Maybe it has to do with that vulnerable place that is the key to trans, transformation in our lives, those transitions that lead to the transformation, but they always include vulnerability. And they teach us, Lord, sometimes that we don't have the strength on our own, so we have to rely on you in ways that we didn't have to before because when we had the covering, it was, it was, it was at least safer, but now we are, we are almost compelled to turn to you and then watch what you can do. So, you know, as we, we just, I just pray that you would speak to each one of us individually because we all got our own stories with you. Not, we're, we're all in process. None of us are better than anybody else. We're growing, I pray. So bless our closing minutes. Um, bless our cl closing time of giving. Bless the closing song. Um, let us not run too fast ahead. Let's just be still in this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.